Genesis 15. We have been on a series with Genesis. And um, since chapter 12, actually since chapter 11, you would fully understand chapter 15 if you understand it since chapter 11. And um, by this time, Abram has beaten the foreign kings of the east, the four kings of the east who tried to make war against the Sidim Valley, the five kings of the Sidim Valley, which Sodom was, was part of. Lot, his nephew, was captured in that battle. So word came to Abram, and he gathered his men. Nobody thought he had men who could fight. He gathered 300 plus of his men, and he chased the kings of the east. And he was able to rescue Lot, meaning he defeated the kings of the east, which the kings of the valley could not defeat. And after that, Abram meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which soon would be called Jerusalem. And uh, <clears throat> Melchizedek was said in Hebrews that, in the book of Hebrews, that Christ is in the order of Melchizedek, meaning Melchizedek had no beginning nor end. He just existed and met Abram. And he said, it is the Lord who gave you the victory, giving Abram the right perspective on his victory, lest perhaps he be proud of himself and saying, I have given myself the victory. But Melchizedek said, God has given you the victory. But he also met uh, Bera, king of Sodom. And uh, Bera said, give me the people, but you can keep the spoils of war. Funny, because he had no right to say that, because the victor, to the victor belongs the spoils of war. Yet Abram said, oh, you can have it all, lest you say that you made me rich. Lest you say that you made me rich. Abram was careful that only God would get the glory in his life. In Genesis chapter 12, Remember that God promised to Abram, I will make you a great nation, and I will make your name great, and I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Abram knew it was God who would bless him. It was God who will enrich him. It was God who will lift his name up, not other people. So he rejected uh, Bera's offer and said, you can keep what the spoils of war. And... Uh, Thus we begin verse 1. Let us read verse 1. After these things, these things, the summary I just gave you, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Other translations say, I am your exceedingly great reward. After these things... God said, do not fear. I am your shield. It's probable that Abram may have thought, as, as a man of war right now, after his fame spreading out, a man who beat the kings of the east, word have gotten everywhere that this is the man to beat. There is a probability in every warrior's mind that his enemy will come back and fight him. So probably that was in his mind, even though we know that's not exactly it. 
Do not be afraid, Abram. I shall be your shield. From the start, it was God protecting him, guiding him, blessing him, enriching him, guiding him in every aspect. So God affirms his covenant to him saying, I am your shield, do not be afraid. And I am your exceeding great reward or your reward shall be very great. You have not taken, taken the offer of the king of Sodom. You gave it back to him. I shall be your great reward since you've rejected this man's offer. You are not attracted by what the world offers you. Remember when Lot's people and his people had a dispute, he asked his nephew, choose which way you want to go. If you choose one side, I'll go to the other side. Lot chose the area, the valley where there was a lot of water, but it, and it was near Sodom, and the people of Sodom were evil. Instead of uh, uh, being polite to his uncle and say, Uncle, you took me in. You helped me. You brought me here. Why don't you choose? Instead of that, Lot saw the offer of the world and took it. And he nearly lost everything. And later on in the, in the next few chapters, we will see that he will lose everything. Abram, because you did not think of possessing to yourself. You did not think of self-promotion. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. You did not see it greedy. You were not greedy with the offer of the king, uh, of King Bera of Sodom. And the Lord said, I am your reward, or your reward shall be very great. Isn't that amazing? That kind of relationship that Abram has with his God. Imagine such faith. Letting go what is before him. He could have been greedy and taken everything for himself, like maybe most of us would. Maybe every good opportunity for a lot of us we would take instead of asking God, Lord, what is your will here? What is your will? Your will must be done in my life, Lord, not my will, but your will. Instead of, of grabbing, saying to Lot, you choose this area, I choose this area, I'm older than you, I brought you here. Instead, he said, Lot, you choose. Because Abram was trusting in his God. Lot chose the valley, very much watered. Abram was left with a hill. Not that much water. He had to trust God for rain. But it was more secured, military-wise. So, God says to Abram, I am your reward, or your reward is great. Look to God and trust Him. To trust God with everything that happens in our lives. But that's not the real concern of Abram. Let's look at the next verse. Uh, Abram said, O Lord God, this is his real concern. What will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Yes, it's common before that if, if a, a man, a master, does not have a child, his heir would be the son of a servant who served him well. And uh, Abram was thinking, maybe this is God's plan. No, it wasn't a, a lack of faith. Maybe he was thinking, this is God's plan when he said, I will make you a great nation. Maybe it's through my servants 
that I will give them my wealth and I shall be a great nation. However, God corrects him and makes himself clear. And that's a good thing about God. As we respond to his call, through the years, he makes it more clear. Not immediately. Not everything is that clear. Not everything is in detail. However, as time goes on, things become more clear to us. Next verse. And Abraham said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Ah, no, Abram, not that one. Somebody that comes from you, genetically from you. So God clarified, of course, Abram would always think, I'm an old man. My, Viagra wasn't invented yet then. And I have a wife who's, who's passed way past childbearing, even though kings still have a crush on her, yet uh, she cannot bear children anymore. Abram could have easily doubted, but he did not. Let's look at verse 5. And he took him outside and said, after Abram's question, God said to Abram, Go outside, now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them. And he said, said to him, so shall your descendants be. Abram, you're asking me that question? Get out of your tent. Come on. Come here. Get up. Look up. Look up there. You see the stars? Start counting now. Because if you can count them, that's the number of descendants you shall have. And he said, me, a father, I am childless. But God said to him, look up there. Ah, God gave him a vision. Amazing. A God-given vision is just amazing. Take note, a God-given vision, not a selfish ambition. I believe in a God-given vision, a call from God. And God showed it to him to impact his heart. You know, when I hear a call from God, sometimes I would write it in my journal. But there are times I would draw it. I would draw it and then post it somewhere in my house. And whenever I see it, I say, thank you, Lord. It encourages me. Oh, because right now in the age of computers, I would just get some from nice pictures from Google Images and print it. And sometimes it's just on my, on my uh, desktop. And every time I see it, I say, thank you, Lord. First, it's God's vision that we must submit to. What's Christ's vision? That we make disciples of all ethne. As Abraham was told, you shall be a blessing to all the ethne, the families of the earth. Remember, in Genesis 11, God scattered the people, because before that, in Noah's time, they were so united with evil that he had to erase them except the, the family of Noah. So he separated them from each other by changing the languages so that they don't have to influence one another. That's why here, like later we'll read, it's the Amorites who became so evil, but they did not necessarily affect everybody else. But the Amorites were so evil. So they were separated by God. And God said to Abraham, you shall be a blessing to them. 
so shall we be a blessing to others through Christ. Can you say the word vision? God-given vision. Say the whole phrase, God-given vision. That is what we must pray for. As God has set in the Bible His vision, that we must, His mission for us, that we must align with, then He gives us specific assignments on earth. Abraham's mission was specific. Be patient, have faith. You will have a son. And what's going to happen? Your son is going to have sons. And then a, a, a nation will be birthed. And that nation will be nurtured by God because Christ must be born in a certain nation, a certain race, Israel, and then Judah. And then Christ will be born as a son of David in the lineage of David. And the promise that all the families shall be blessed shall happen through Christ. That's why the mission is cross-cultural. Remember, peoples, different unreached people group, all ethne. Hindi lang po lugar, kundi lahi ang pinag-uusapan. We're not just talking about places when we talk about mission. We're talking about language and culture, race. Are you racist? <laughs> One of the biggest questions, right? Racist. Well, let me say it in a positive way. We should be in a positive way in the sense that we have to reach every race for the kingdom of God. Because the Bible said, it's clear in the book of Revelations, what? Every tongue, tribe, and nation worship the Lamb. Every language worship the Lamb. Every tongue, every tribe worship the Lamb. How are they going to get there? The blessing of Abraham through Christ. That's you and me. So, so shall your descendants be. And what happened, verse 6, And then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. His faith. Well, God loves faith. Yeah? The book of Hebrews says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. No, God loves it when you read the Bible and you actually believe it. Now, believe it from deep within your heart. Oh, like when he said, seek you first the kingdom of God, one of my favorite verses, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you actually believe that? Because if you truly believe it, you'll practice it. You will obey it to seek the kingdom first all the time. And his righteousness all the time. And believe that all these things, everything we need shall be added unto us. I totally believe that with all my heart. That if God is first in my life, He will take care of me. He believed. God gave him a vision. Of course, that wasn't everything. Let's continue reading. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, oh, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? Hey, I only have 318 trained men. How can I possess a whole land? Oh, but God said, chill. We're not in a hurry here. Okay, we're talking about generations to come. Huh? Verse 9 says, and he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Uh, that, that's a, a kind of a cow, all right? and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon, 
Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. What's, what's happening here? He's saying, how will I know I will possess the land? Uh, then God said, bring me these animals. What is happening? We have to study culture here. In those days, they did not have paper. And they did not have laws to govern contracts. Uh, today, when two parties agree, they have to sign a contract. It's an agreement, a binding agreement that the law protects. So they sign an agreement. Uh, marriage has a contract, right? Have you signed yours? Uh, some of you were praying for that one day you will sign it, okay? <laughs> uh, some of you have been praying for decades, yet you haven't signed it. We'll pray that God will give you somebody, and you can sign that marriage agreement, also known as a marriage covenant. Can you say covenant? What's happening is, is God is making a covenant with Abraham. Uh, what's a covenant? It's a divine agreement. But not made by man, not just honored by man, honored in heaven. Divinely honored, cannot be broken. So here, God is saying, let's make a covenant. Because in those days, when two parties agree, especially if they would become allies in war, the two chieftains would cut in half these animals and let the blood flow in the middle. And they would walk in the middle and they would recite their oath saying, my authority is your authority. Your enemies are my enemies, and your friends are my friends. And after that, they break the bread and drink the wine. Yes, it's a real bread, okay? Of course, for convenience sake, when we do the Lord's Supper, we have to use these little round things, right? But, but the truth is, it's really a meal. So it is, uh, uh, Lord's Supper is best practiced when? In small groups. Where you have wine. And all the men say, Amen. <laughs> you have wine and you've got bread. And you break the bread and give it to each other. And you remember what Christ has done. The covenant of Christ for us that cannot be broken. We remember His death. And we say, Lord, we are committed. You initiate it. We belong to you. We are allies. So God said to him, break this up. Send it to me. God challenged him, let me make a covenant with you in the way you understand it. God already gave his word. But you know, Abram being earthly and, uh, and uh, say, uh, okay, let's do this. And then what happened? Uh, uh, the birds of prey, like uh, maybe vultures came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Verse 12, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. Maybe God was making him sense his presence so that, again, you know, when you sense the presence of God, it's not just a loving presence. It is a fearful presence at the same time. The presence of God is both amazingly loving and amazingly frightful. Oh, no, 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 not frightful in the sense like the horror movies you watch. No, not, not that sense. Not in the sense of the suspense movies you watch, only much greater. <laughs> He's God. You cannot limit God. That's why, please, do not offend God and think and take it lightly. 
You, we cannot disobey God once you've committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot just disobey God and take it lightly. Oh, maybe we do not know God yet that much. Great terror, darkness fell upon him. And uh, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs. God even gave them what's going to happen, showed him what's going to happen, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. When did this happen? Where did this happen? Egypt, 400 years. And, uh, but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. God is saying, 400 years they shall be enslaved. But what's going to happen? The one who would enslave them, I will judge, because he has a covenant with Abram. But not only that, they will come out with great possession. And that's what happened. After the last plague, the Egyptians were saying to the Jews, Get out of here, you Israelites. Take my money. Take my gold. Just get away from me. And God did enrich them in that process. This was written here in Genesis before that happened. Next verse. As for you, you shall go to your father's in peace, and you will be buried at the good old age. Wow, Abram, he's already old. He's going to get older. <laughs> and he's going to be buried in a good, ripe old age. Next verse, then it came, in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. I will use your people to judge others as well. Next it came about when the sun had set and it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. The presence of God manifested. There are different ways that the presence of God manifested. This time it, is, it manifested in the form of fire. Oh, please don't make an image of fire and, and worship it. Please don't. You know, some of we just see something. Let's make an image and worship it. Read the whole Bible. You're mocking God. No, no, this happened, but please don't make it a religious object. Huh? I'm just making sure. Maybe next week I'll see some of you have flaming shirts or, or a flaming necklace and say, mm, I love this necklace. This is the presence of God. No, forgive me. I'm mocking idolatry as the Bible does. God's presence came. This is how you will know that this will happen. I am making an agreement with you. And we know God. He won't break his commitment. He is not man that he should lie. He will do what he will do. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and take note in the day when, when in the golden age of Israel, where David was king, God fulfilled this promise and even beyond it. When a king and his people worships God, lives in righteousness, God would bless that nation. And during that day, that time of David, it stretched way beyond. Verse 19. The Kenite and Kenizzite and Kadmonite, all these, the Hittite, Perizzites, and the Rephaim, and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. This is how it's going to happen. I have made a covenant with you. 
He manifested his presence in the ceremony that Abram knew. Application. Number one, may we always look to God as our protector and great reward. Not to man, but to God. Does that mean we shouldn't be security conscious? No. I'm not saying you should be foolish. Please do not lose your logic or common sense. I'm just saying faith. You see, Abram trained soldiers. He, he wanted to protect himself and to use those, those men of war when he needed it. Though they were, he was discreet. Nobody knew. They were just taking care of the flock but protecting the flock as well. But he trained them. He had them trained. But it is actually God. It's really God who was his protector. And God was his rewarder. God is his rewarder. And we should always think that God is my rewarder, not man. Please, it is not man we should look to for affirmation. It is not man we should look to for even encouragement. No, there's nothing wrong with encouragement and affirmation. It was just Father's Day last week, and we encouraged the Father to really affirm and discipline their children, yet affirm them and love them as their sons. We need that from one another, but we do not look at that. What are we looking for? We're looking for God's reward in our lives. Can you say with me, God is my rewarder. Let's say it again to ourselves. God is my rewarder. Remember, just like when God said to Abram, I will make your name great. That's why Abram did not even try to self-promote himself. He didn't even have to announce, I've got a small army. Huh? No, 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 no. He was very quiet about it. He built his strength quietly. No, Abram didn't have to. At that right situation, God made his name great. And at the right time, he will have a son because God planned it. God must be our protector and rewarder. Number two, let's believe God's word and believe in his plans. Let us believe God's word. That is the importance of reading and meditating the Bible. Chapter by chapter, let's, let's read and study the Bible and trust in God's plans. God is a God of plan. He has a grand plan for the planet. And for the human race. Yet, He has a plan for each and every one of us. God is a God of plan. And He has a plan for you. Specifically you. No, you were not born by accident. You were born for a purpose. Pastor Ed, but my father said he had an accident. That's why I was born. Ah. <laughs> uh. He said he was drunk and stuff. That's why I, I was conceived. Uh, God has a purpose. Even the mistakes of men, God uses for his purpose. My favorite example is what? Solomon. Who's the father of Solomon? David. Who's the mother of Solomon? Bathsheba. David's mistake. No, 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 no. That's too light. His sin, Bathsheba. So if you think you're an accident, no, no, no. God, in God's plans, there are no 
accidents. Okay? Can you say, I'm not an accident? Yeah, you're not an accident. You are not an accident. God has a plan for you. But Pastor Ed, I made so many mistakes in my life. That's why I am where I am today. Oh, it's not too late. Keep trusting. Trust God now and He will unfold His plan for you. We must trust in God's plan. Not my plan. God's plan. Not your plan. God's plan. That's why if ever we have a vision or an ambition, we surrender to God. Lord, is this your will for me? Let me know. Is this the open door I shall take or not? Not all opportunities are blessings. A brother was sharing to me. He is not here. He attends Vesper. And he said there was this great opportunity in business. They were an exclusive provider of a certain service. And they did provide that. However, he said, it affected my Sundays for several weeks because of the obligation. So you know what he did even though they were earning money? He told his client, can you look for another supplier? Not me. Because I'm missing my worship with God. I said, that's the way to decide. He's trusting God that God will bless him in his way, even giving up this opportunity as long as he worships God. Trust in God's plans. God has a plan for you. But if, if the, God does a, has a plan for you, but the question is, are you willing to know that plan and work with that plan? Are you willing to sacrifice to learn so that that plan would unfold? Are there trade-offs? Yes, there are. You know, Abraham was called from Ur, from his father's house, and say, go to this place with no support group except maybe Lot and his wife. No other relatives. He separated from his father's house, from his tribe, went here and trust, because he trusted God. There are trade-offs. Are we willing to make those trade-offs? By God's grace, I try my best, by God's grace, to put God first. Are you trying your best to put God first? Huh? Sometimes it's as simple as, have you read your Bible today? Pastor Ed, I'm so busy. No, no, I saw you reading a newspaper. And you took so long in that newspaper and you haven't read your Bible? How can you spend not read your Bible and, and read a newspaper, several articles of a newspaper? So it's me, as small as these things. Are you putting God first? Uh, Pastor, I was quite, I'm very busy today. Oh, no, no. I saw you watching something on YouTube and it was entertainment. And you're saying you have no time to pray for yourself, your loved ones? You have no time to pray for your friends? <laughs> Pastor, I'm so busy. I, I had to uh, do my laundry. Pastor, do you understand us men? Our wives require us to do the laundry. No, not all men do that. <laughs> no, I understand you. But you cannot say that you have no time for God. Because that's baloney. 
That's an excuse given to you by the devil. Nah, just kidding. Yourself. <laughs> because we're lazy. Pastor Ed, I couldn't go because I had no money for jeepney. How come you raise money when there's a, a, a trip to a waterfall? Yeah, you raise your money to get to a beach. But when there's something about God, you, you have to wait for somebody to give you money. Are you willing to do God's plan for your life? There is a standard. But you'll be like Abraham. Mighty man of God, mighty woman of God. Yes, we must sacrifice. If you want God's plan to unfold, we must study the Word of God. But not only the Word of God, we have to study a lot of things. Don't you love to study? Do you love to read? Oh, not so much amen here. Uh <laughs> Okay. Uh, now I, I have to get on my knees and let, Lord, uh, may, may the people with me, my friends, learn to love to read your word and other things. But not only that, but the other disciplines, whether whatever your discipline is, whether it's business or marketing uh, or, 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 or software uh, development or app development, whatever. I, I hope you would have that love to learn. If not, force yourself to learn. Don't give an excuse, I'm old, I cannot learn anymore. No, no, we have to do what we must so that God's plan will be unfolded. Next and last, remember His covenant through Christ. Can you say the word covenant? covenant. Say again, covenant. covenant. Christ came. That's why there's a new covenant. There was an old covenant under Moses. But even before Moses was the Abrahamic covenant, which we just read, we just studied, Christ has a covenant. And He initiated it through the cross. He was the lamb, the animal that was slain, and His blood flowed for us. And He made a, a, a covenant there. And He mentioned it way before He died, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life the promise of everlasting life Luke says that repentance and faith must be preached to all nations for the forgiveness of sins that repentance and faith must be preached for the forgiveness of sins if you feel guilty of sin he forgives if you come to him in repentance if you ask forgiveness if you say sorry for your sins and turn away from your sins he forgives you. This covenant is a relationship. It's divine. It's made in heaven. Once we commit, we've committed. And we do not take it lightly. Because we believe God, we trust Him. Christ made the ultimate sacrifice that He invites us. If you feel weary and tired, it's the covenant. How will you know that that? Your life will be used by God. How will you know that the promises of God in the Bible will happen? Christ already died. Abraham asked, how will I know? Then God appeared in a burning flame in a ceremony of old. Christ doesn't have to show up today. He already did it. He already proven his part. Now the question is, will we take the step of faith and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, my life is yours now and forever. I make this covenant with you.
I would like to invite you there. Some of you have decided with this covenant long ago. Or some of you maybe didn't understand relationship with Christ. Because some of you were taught, oh, uh, you can start your relationship with Christ even if it's 50%. Huh? 50% in the world, 50% in Christ. 50% in the lust of your flesh, and 50% in your devotion to God. It doesn't work that way. I don't know who taught you the Bible, but that's not biblical. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, Whoever wants to follow me must deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. But is there a reward? Of course. Who is the reward? He is the reward. My reward is great, he says, for all of us who believe. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Father, we thank you for reminding us of the covenant you've made with Abram and allow us to learn from this that what you say you will do, what you promise you will do. What you commit you will do. Teach us to understand, like Abram, that we must have faith. We must believe all you've done through Christ. And the promises that is included there teach us to believe. Teach us to trust you with our lives. Teach us to trust you with every decision. Teach us to trust you with every thought, with every word, with every act. Thank you, Lord. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.